1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where you will learn how to tackle tough topics and festering feelings of anxiety in adults and kids. My first guest is Dr. Abigail Gewertz. She is the author of When the World Feels Like a Scary Place, Essential Conversations for Anxious Parents and Worried kids. Dr. Gewurtz is a child psychologist and professor at the University of Minnesota's College of Education and Human Development. Her career has been devoted to developing and testing award-winning skills-based parenting programs to promote children's resilience. Dr. Gewurtz has consulted for and presented to the national and international organizations, including the U.S. Congress and UNICEF on Parenting. And you are in the house, Abigail. Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure, Lisa. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, this is something that we need to talk about. And when we have difficult subjects, one of the ways that I know that I can cope with them better is by injecting a little humor into those dark corners that we all find so uncomfortable. So pardon me for being so tongue in cheek about, you know, fun with fear and anxiety, but it's kind of appropriate in this moment.
2: Oh, I totally agree with you. I mean, if we cannot laugh What will become of us?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, people will ask me, oh, how am I doing? Or I'll ask others how they're doing. And I'm like, look, you know what? I'm safe, I'm healthy, and I'm humorous. So I'm okay. (laughs) Right. And I
2: love seeing some of that. uh, You know, it's not just all bad news then, right?
1: No. Well, that is the upside of the darkness, right? When we can find that little bit of light and silver lining. And you'll tell us more about that because I want to hear it from you. Like, how can we as parents help our kids and help even our colleagues as we return back to the workplace feel a little bit more secure when the world is feeling so darn scary right now?
2: Right. So the world is a scary place. and I've never have imagined quite When I started writing the book back in 2016, that things would be looking like this when the book was due to be released. I mean, who knew? My publishers uh, said, uh, you know, there's a lot of books we're not releasing right now, but we're going to bring your publication date up. (laughs) And I was, you know, so uh, I I just, I couldn't believe it. So here's the thing, you know, uh, who said there is nothing to fear but fear itself? And fear is really so all-encompassing and right now there are a lot of things to worry about yeah. and it's not just right now I mean over the last 10 years we have seen increases in anxiety and in depression among our kids and in suicide and it's not just here in the U.S. I was just looking at the English numbers I'm originally from England it's the same thing despite the fact that if you look as far as 30 years out you said, so look back 30 years And crime, for example, has actually been dropping, you know, notwithstanding increases in our country and horrendous school shootings, for example. But crime overall has been dropping. So how is it that we are so scared? And so what I began to do is look into what are the things that are making us feel scared? And that's really what the book is about. It's how do we tackle these issues that are making us feel scared? Because it's about our feelings. It's not necessarily about what is objectively happening. And I would never tell anyone not to be worried about, for example, the coronavirus. It's a very real thing to be worried about. But when fear eats into our hearts and takes over our minds, we are gonna find it very hard to be actively engaged and functioning. And when we're parents, you know, you talked about leaders. We're the leaders of our homes. And we want our homes to be safe for our kids. And we want our kids to grow up feeling safe enough so that they can venture outside. And so we don't want them to grow up feeling like the world is a scary place. We want them to grow up feeling like the world is a place that they can feel they can navigate in as independent, compassionate, and engaged human beings.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I have children who are young adults now, and I always speak with them about the world being a hospitable place. Like, yes, there are there are hard things that go on out there in the world, but it is not such an angry, dark, mean place. It's actually quite hospitable if you navigate through it.
2: Right. Exactly. I mean, I think it depends where you are. And so one of the things that I talk about in one chapter is social media. And so we, you know, 30 years ago when crime was Greater. We never had social media (laughs) and all kinds of scary stuff can pop up on social media, just as one example. And so it depends where you're looking. You know, it depends whether you can unplug. It depends whether how you see the world, whether you're outside and you see the good things that are happening or whether you're inside and you're only looking for the difficult stuff.
1: And this is where the power does reside, right? As, as a parent, as a leader within the community or within the business world, if we really learn mastery over our own anxiety, right, to tackle that first, as you say in the book, when the world feels like a scary place,
2: we're then better
1: able to serve and support those we care about.
2: That's right. You know, emotions are really important things. We have them, they come. We don't have a choice about whether or not to have them. But what we have a choice about is what to do with them. We can let them take us over. We can let our emotions drive us into doing things sometimes that we later regret. You know, sort of that, that, that tweet or that, that Instagram post uh, when we were so angry or we were so worried or we were so stressed. Or we can take what we're feeling, we can take a moment, we can take a breath, we can realize what's happening to us when we hear or see something that upsets us or worries us or makes us angry. And by taking that space to figure out what we're feeling and what impact it has on our body, that gives us space to make a choice about what we do. And then we can act intentionally, we can respond intentionally, rather than reacting impulsively. Yeah. And what about
1: the acknowledgement of our emotions and our feelings that many of us don't possess that kind of intelligence and we get all a flutter when we start having these emotions and these feelings. We become dysregulated. We go off and say and do things that, you know, we ultimately regret. But those emotions and feelings are unimpeachable. They're not facts. But they're unimpeachable. They're different than the facts.
2: Right. And often we don't separate them from the facts, right, or from what's going on. You know, we merge them all together and that's why they drive us. I mean, our emotions are not us. They can drive us, but they don't have to. Learning to regulate our emotions actually is a really important thing that, that we should be teaching our children. And it's something that um, you know people who are better able to regulate their emotions are able to um, act in the ways that they want to rather than the ways that they 're driven to act and so that 's why I actually open the book by helping parents think through how these scary world events, whatever they are, affect them and that how something affects us is a function of of course who we are what our base level of say anxiety is, the experiences we've been through, how we identify, all kinds of things. So I I offer parents strategies for dealing with our own emotions. And also, I encourage parents to think about uh, their values. Uh, What is it that we want our children to remember us for and by? What are the powerful lessons that we want our children to take away? It's not something that we tend to do because I don't know about you. I mean, I have four kids older now. <laughs> my youngest are in their teens. But um, at the point at which I had four kids under the age of nine, it was just a, a stress for my husband and I to get through each day. Oh my I gosh. mean, if you would have asked us, what's your parenting? Right, right. What's parenting values? You. We would have laughed at you. <laughs> right? Survival camp. Well, you know, <laughs> Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I actually offer parents uh, a, a really fun, it's one of my favorite exercises to derive what their parenting values are. And, and just to think about those, because that's what you want to leave your kids with. And if we want to be intentional, we need to know what we value um, and what we want to leave act our kids with and and too often that that's that gets uh you know that's not thought out just because we're busy being in in parenting survival mode, so it's a combination of knowing what it is we want and also being able to respond to our own emotions rather than have them drive us that sets the stage for being effective at teaching our kids to be able to navigate the world not fearlessly but intentionally and with compassion and confidence. And bravery.
1: I mean, I think there is that sort of ordinary courage that Brene Brown talks about. We're going to need to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Abigail Gewurz. We're talking about her newest book, When the World Feels Like a Scary Place, Essential Conversations for Anxious Parents and Worried Kids. I would say for anybody. To learn more about Abigail's work, please visit dot calm here comes the break we'll be right back and that actually is a promise hang on just a minute before we pause i want to talk about habits human beings are habit machines we do lots of behaviors on autopilot and some of them aren't necessarily good or good for us thankfully none of us is perfect and all of us have some bad habits we'd like to change maybe it's less social media less coffee or sugar Wanting more exercise, but without support, habit breaking and change management can feel daunting and impossible. And one of the best ways to create new healthy habits and embrace change is through the support of an accountability partner. And that's why I'm proud to be partnered with today's episode sponsor, Talkspace Online Therapy. Talkspace can match you with a licensed therapist right away. Your Talkspace therapist will be like having your own personal cheerleading squad rooting for your success every step of the way. Whether you are working through something or want to stay accountable to a new habit or goal, your Talkspace therapist will be there to support you every day. Talkspace is an affordable, secure, therapeutic network that provides a virtual space to talk it out with a licensed therapist from the comfort, privacy, and convenience of wherever you are, whenever, and for whatever is on your mind. Everyone deserves support and none of us has to struggle alone. Your Talkspace therapist can be your dedicated support system there to help you feel healthier and more empowered, even in these uncertain times. We all need to talk sometimes, and Talkspace gives us the support we deserve at a price we can afford. Match with your perfect therapist at Talkspace.com or download the app. Use promo code HAPPINESS to get $100 off your first month and help support the show. That's Talkspace.com, promo code HAPPINESS.
0: To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services.
1: And we are back, tackling tough topics and festering feelings of anxiety in adults and kids alike. Let's get back to the conversation with my guest today, Dr. Abigail Gewertz. So Abigail, we're back talking about, you know, self-mastery as parents and the legacy that we want to leave our kids in terms of their emotional lives and being able to regulate and manage. What are some tools that we can share with the audience about the elements of emotion coaching?
2: So emotion coaching, Lisa, refers to the process by which we teach our children essential skills for navigating emotions. And, uh, you know, just like we don't have to get a license for parenting, even though I need to go and renew my dog license, we don't tend to learn about emotions in schools, although schools are doing a much better job now of social emotional learning, because of the importance of emotions, and which I'll sort of talk about. So we all, all of us parents can catch ourselves saying things to our children like, don't you worry, you have nothing to worry about. Or, don't cry, big boys don't cry. Um, and, and then we catch to ourselves, ooh, exactly.
1: Ooh.
2: So what do those kinds of statements teach our children? Well, they teach our children, basically, even though they often come from a well-intentioned place, they're teaching our children that that emotion I just had is to be ignored, to be dismissed, or worse still, it, it's, it's, a, it's to be punished. And I should not deal with that. But what really amazing researchers like John Gottman and Nancy Eisenberg and others have taught us is that when we ignore, dismiss, or invalidate, or worse, punish our children's emotions, those emotions don't go away. They result in kids, they emerge in, in a riskier way. They result in kids being more at risk for uh, high levels of anxiety and depression. And so, emotion coaching is a series of tools that teaches that teach parents to teach their children how to effectively navigate emotional situations. And they start, of course, with us. You know, like we've talked about being able to regulate our own emotions. If you're having a conversation with your child, you know, let's take an example. Your child comes into the house with a long face; their brow is furrowed. Your ten-year-old daughter, say, her brow is furrowed and she's looking down. And you want to say, you know, why the long face? Hey, hurry up, wash your hands at dinner. And you catch yourself and you say, honey, you, you're looking down and your brow is furrowed. I, I, I know that when I look like that, it's because I feel, I feel worried or sad. Uh, Tell me what's going on. And she might say, you know, I just spoke to Maddie and her grandma's in the hospital with coronavirus. Well, that, wasn't the conversation you thought you were going to have uh, right now. And so you say, huh, you take a breath and you say, you know what? Here, come sit down. I'm just going to grab a glass of water. And that's your um, five second delay while you gather your thoughts (laughs) and you bring her a glass of water and you say, honey, wow, you know, you first of all, thank you for telling me that that's really important that you shared that with me. And then you give her an opportunity to tell you about the emotion. Wow, you you are worried, I guess, and, and sad maybe. And what's going on in your body? Because I know that when I feel sad and worried, I get butterflies in my stomach and sometimes my heart beats fast. Do you feel things in your body that you're giving her a chance to figure out where, A, to identify the feelings that she has when she heard from her friend about her friend's grandma, and B, to connect the feelings with the thoughts that she is no doubt having, the worried thoughts, for example. And then when she acknowledges the feelings, you have a chance to validate it, which is when you say, I would feel like that if it was me too. I think it's scary for anyone to hear that their good friend's grandma is sick and in the hospital. Or I remember when I was a child and I found out that my best friend's mom was really sick and in the hospital. And I was so worried for her and also for me. Tell me what's going on. What are you thinking? And you, this is where you gather information. And what your child is going to tell you might be what you think she's going to tell you. And it might be really different, right? So you imagine that your child is worried about her grandma. But when she says, you know, mom, um, I'm really worried about you getting the coronavirus, Because I know that you work at the store every day and you see people, lots of people coming in and out. And I'm really scared that you're going to get sick and maybe you'll even die. And that's another of these moments where we didn't think that that was what our kid was thinking. And we need to just take a breath for a second. And so you might go up and grab that second glass of
1: water. Um, (laughs) Or a cookie or something.
2: (laughs) Or a cookie. Or what you might say is, this is really This is big. These are big emotions. And so, you know what? I think maybe you and I are going to take a deep breath together. And when we do our outbreaths, we're going to take a deep breath in. And when we breathe out, you and I are both going to pretend that we're blowing up a big balloon and we're going to count to 10 under our breath and see if we can make our outbreath last 10 breaths. And that's a way of calming ourselves. And so what you're doing is you're modeling the skills that you yourself are learning. You're modeling them for your child. What you're modeling for her is that she can she can reflect on the emotions and she can choose how to respond to them. And then you're going to have a conversation about the fears and the worries, and that's going to give you and her an opportunity to sort of problem solve them. That's not, uh, you know, to figure out how grandma is going to be safe and never going to get the virus, but to figure out what you can figure out, which is how she can feel less worried right now and also what she can do for you and for grandma, how she can show grandma that she cares about her, or maybe even going further, and how how, what she can do in the community and for the community, if that's what she wants. But what we know is that one of the best antidotes for feeling anxious and helpless and disempowered is to be able to do something. Yeah. And so helping your child figure out what they can do, driven by them, not you, is really powerful. Well, it does give some
1: sense of control back when things feel so out of control. I mean, what I love about what you just shared as the process is it really normalizes and validates what our kids are feeling, right? You know, giving them the dignity of their process.
2: Exactly. And feelings are really important. Anxiety for one is a really powerful signal that we should pay attention to. And because as we've talked about, if we don't, all sorts of things happen that we later regret. And if we do, we have the potential to really engage in powerful change.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the idea of not shaming or guilting or embarrassing those that we love when they do share what they're feeling, like, you know, by shutting them down saying, oh, that's not going to happen. Come on, come on. Don't worry about that. It really has the opposite effect. Right. So you're also building relationship and deepening connection through this process, which makes us feel safe.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And what it provides our kids is a safe base from which to explore the world. And so what you're teaching them is that rather than feeling like, oh, my goodness, the world is so scary. I got to stay home and shut my blinds and just get on my, you know, play my video games. It's actually there are things that we can do. And I feel safe enough to be able to engage in the outside world, which is ultimately what we want. We're bringing our kids up to be independent beings. Yeah, to be
1: resilient to be inoculated to stress to some degree you know not healthy stress that that propels us forward but the toxic kind of stress that makes us sick and paralyzed exactly and to be compassionate and to
2: um and to be
1: engaged so for all the parents and grandparents and people who have young children in their lives i highly recommend this book when the world feels like a scary place essential conversations for anxious parents and worried kids. My guest today has been Dr. Abigail Gewurz. To learn more about her work, please visit abigailgewurz.com. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You have given us really valuable tools to approach those we love with uh, compassion, empathy, and warmth and heart. And I thank you for that.
2: Well, thank you, Lisa. It's been a treat to be with you. I Uh, appreciate it.
1: I feel the same way. Let's go take a little break and we will be right back. Welcome back. Today, we are tackling tough topics and festering feelings of anxiety in both kids and adults. My next guest has been on the show before, and I absolutely love this gal. She is good fun while dealing with serious topics. We are going to get down with some serious anxiety today. Welcome to Jordan Reed. She is the founding editor of the lifestyle blog, Ramshackle Glam, and the author of the Big Activity Book for Anxious People. Her hobbies include creating unnecessary complications, insomnia, and maintaining an impressive collection of fake plants. She lives in Southern California with her two children, elderly Shih Tzu and twin orange cats. Jordan, before I bring you on, I want to just like make everybody aware that you are about to Have a laughter break. We are going to take you away from reality and we are going to help you better manage your fears and recognize that you are not alone in this thing called life. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am delighted to have you and super excited to talk about your book, The Big Activity Book for Anxious People, because every day of the week, I get to hang out and support and serve anxious people. And sometimes I fall into that category myself. <laughs> but I think we all I think that that's a pretty universal affliction these days. Yes, it is. Talk a little bit about what made you want to write this book? Because you just told me a hilarious story. I mean, not so hilarious, because it's your life in real life sometimes sucks. <laughs> but a success story that's born out of difficulty.
3: Yeah, I mean, so, well, first of all, I definitely didn't have like a straightforward path to where I am today. But especially with regards to anxiety, I sort of grew up believing that, you know, anxiety was for other people and like you should deal with it. And my parents didn't really believe in therapy or medications or anything. And so I had this like crippling anxiety that I was like, oh, I should just, you know, I'll just deal with that and not, you know. And then it sort of reached this apex because, so I was an actress for years and then I ended up getting fired from this huge show and exited the industry in like this ball of flames and ended up working for my mom at her law firm doing HR. Oy. It, was, it was, yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was a high point. I would literally like crawl, literally crawl under the desk and like sob.
1: Why, why, why? <laughs> like, how did I get here? How
3: is this going <laughs> to you know, I was like 26 and very dramatic at the time, of course. And then I decided to start a blog during a time when that wasn't a job, like at all. Right. Uh, That was was fluffy back in the day. Fluffy. Yeah. I mean, trying to explain to people what I did, they're like, yes, oh, my daughter has a blog too, but what do you really do? And I was like, no, no, no.
1: That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) It was a learning curve for everybody. And you had to learn a slew of technology. Which also represents another anxious opportunity.
2: Oh,
3: yeah. Well, first of all, just being a blogger and like talking on the, you know, being on the internet as a person with anxiety is a pretty meta (laughs) intense experience (laughs) because, you know, you have haters and you have trolls and you have people giving you their opinion on like your parenting and your, you know, outfit. And it's, I think it oddly was really helpful because it forced me to, be able to separate the opinions of others from the facts about me. Yeah. It's, it's hard in the beginning. I mean, when my first book came out, it got, uh, oh, it got like trolled and people were posting like hundreds of one star reviews just to be mean. That's horrible. Sorry. Oh yeah. No, no, that happened with my very first book. And it was, I, it was a rollercoaster. Like I was sitting there just watching like review after review come up and just like, I mean, I was a basket case, but that actually ended up being a kind of amazing learning experience.
1: It just doesn't matter. Well, this is the thing, right? Isn't that the the funny discovery about anxiety and learning to better manage anxiety and control the monkey mind? That when we have these kinds of experiences, it helps us build our resiliency and our own authenticity,
3: Absolutely. And that's something, you know, I think about with my kids a lot, because I see kids these days, kids these days, but (laughs) they're, you know, I I can't even imagine like they're all using these like crazy tech tools to bully each other online that we don't even know about because we're old. And I was thinking, you know, when my kids come to me and say, you know, they're someone said this about them online or in person or whatever, how cool that I can show them a million things people have said about their mom. Yeah. A million. And I can say, look at this. Is this true? And they'll be like, well, no. I'll be like, right. I know the difference.
1: Yeah. Well, don't believe everything you see, think, mm-hmm. hear, mm-hmm. you know, because it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's oftentimes the perception of others and not our own truth. Talk about how you, Jordan, navigate your social media feeds without having an anxiety attack. Cause um, I want to know. <laughs>
3: I don't think I do. Actually, you know, we've all sort of been doing, you and I have been doing this for 10 years, right? So we've sort of seen how the platforms have changed over time and, you know, what what readers want, what people respond to. And I remember for years, my, my managers, because I had a management team for the past 10 years, pretty much, they were like, you have to have a coherent Instagram aesthetic. Make it coherent. And I was like, what do you mean? And they, you know, they wanted it to be all the same filters and the themes and whatever. And that made me nuts.
1: Nuts. How does one do that? I mean,
3: I (laughs) I mean, I did it. It was just exhausting. And I was like, I like, I have nothing beautiful in my life today to take a picture of. Can that just be okay? Mm. Um, But I stopped doing that. Like completely. Did you outsource it? No, I actually just stopped doing it. I was just like, I'm not going to do that. And so now I, you know, I used the platform. I like write about, Anxiety and I write about sadness, and I'm going through, you know, a divorce right now. And so that's something that I just talk about on Instagram as yeah. well as on the blog. And I think it is, it has been amazing watching this like flood of women. There's so many out there, and they all want to connect about divorce and, you know, or, you know, problems in their marriage. And it's, and it was like, they were there all along. And then once I started writing about this, I was like, oh my God, there is this like huge virtual village
1: out there. Well, I think that taps into the V word, right? V for vulnerability that Mm -hmm. everybody's so scared to be vulnerable because if I really show you that I'm hurting or, you know, my, my inner warts that you will not deem me acceptable and worthy of being part of your tribe, which is ridiculous. It works the opposite.
3: Opposite. So that's, I my I was just talking to my girlfriends about this. When I first became a mom, I thought I had to be like, you know, adorable and perfect in all ways. And like, you know, not reveal anything like shady about my past, which there's plenty, you know, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> and just like hide all like the icky parts of my self. And then I moved out to California. And I was like, you know what, that wasn't working for me. And so when I met my, you know, current tribe of Girlfriends, I sort of just I call it just letting the freak flag fly, and I was like, I, I'm just going to show you all the weird, like right out of the gate, and that was how I found my like real people. Yeah, that letting yeah. the
1: the freak fly is so freaking liberating.
3: It is, and you just and it like weeds out the people who are who are they're not going to be your friends anyway. You know,
1: I want to just chime in here a little bit about some fun freak that Jordan is coming to us with a bath sheet over her head. She is um, in her own private recording studio Uh (laughs) made in about 30 seconds.
3: You're teaching me a lot. You uh, apparently it, it improves the sound quality if I sit here hugging my computer to my chest with a sheet over my head. So that's what I'm doing.
1: And it's so soothing. You probably could do a little heavier version, like one of those anxiety blankets, to calm you down.
3: You know, it might be a little warm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm like I'm in a little sauna here. It's nice. It's
1: very relaxing. She's spitzing Yeah, but we don't. what we wouldn't know it, except we're oh. talking about it. Let's talk what? about anti-anxiety office strategies. Give us some real tools, sister.
3: Anti-anxiety office strategies? Yeah. Oh goodness. I mean, I so. One thing is I'm trying to limit news alerts. I turn, just get them off. Just don't have news alerts and also notifications. I find that, you know, we are so connected and our phones ding at us all day. Texts and emails and blah. And, and you know, all your apps have alerts. Turn them off. You can see them later. You know, I think that um, we've lost the ability to focus on one thing at a time. And it's it's really because we're so connected all the time, and it can feel so liberating to just focus. Yeah. You know, I also think that uh, you know I'm a big fan of having like your space, like your. I don't. My house is not like all kid all the time. Like I have my pretty spots that like are mine. <laughs> I'm like you will keep this clean. This is mine. There are like trinkets on the counters. Don't touch them.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And they know. The kids know. They know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. If they're raised yes. with them, you know, like these are the we pretty know things. That mommy,
3: will be, mommy will be really sad yeah. if you
1: bring yeah. her, her things. Yeah. Yeah. What about apologizing? As women, we tend to apologize for everything. Yes. Well, my
3: therapist actually, she was like, stop it. Cause I would be like, I'm sorry. I just, and she's like, stop it. Stop saying sorry. Just stop it. And going through the divorce was a really big wake up call in terms of apologizing. Cause I think, you know, in our marriages, there's, there's a lot of, Like I don't know. I I I sort of had to stop being apologetic for who I was in a really big way because you're just on your own and there's no one to bounce decisions off of really, and you just have to Yeah, trust yourself in a big way. And I this is sort of new to me. I'm a big apologizer.
1: (laughs) And there's no need for apologizing for one's existence, you know? Well,
3: there's a nice thing about being willing to admit that you're wrong without internalizing it as shame. Yes.
1: But we're you not know? wrong all day.
3: No, we're not. And I know that I know that that's a really big thing with women. It's crazy. We just and then I see my daughter. She's four. And I keep saying, to her, don't be sorry. She'll be like, sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. About everything. And like, don't be sorry. It's
1: fine. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to speak more with Jordan Reed about her new book, The Big Activity Book for Anxious People, and jump into some of the activities that are included in this experiential manual. <laughs> right? I mean that's what I think we should call it, experiential like manual.
3: That. Yeah, it is a bit more than an activity book. Experiential manual.
1: So to learn more about Jordan Reed, please go to www.ramshackleglam.com. And that is the consistent and wonderful handles for everything. Ramshackleglam on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Here comes that break. We'll be right back. And that is a guarantee.
0: Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life A Boot Camp Manual for Greater Emotional Fitness is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H-Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more.
1: with Jordan Reed about tackling tough topics and festering feelings of anxiety. Let's get back to that conversation. Let's get back to the conversation. You talked about a couple of the anti-anxiety office strategies, but I think they're really life strategies, which you mentioned turning off alerts on the phone, limiting yourself with the news. That news diet is a most excellent oh. thing. I can speak from personal experience with that one. There also are some medications you should try, but we're not going to get into it since neither one of us are dispensing physicians. So you'll have to read the book. <laughs> That's not. let's go on to some of these activities, because in the book, there are fun facts about aging. Yay. Let's talk Yay. about them.
3: Being old is so cool. I agree. Yes. I mean, first of all, parties are lame after nine anyway. And you can just be like, I'm old. I'm tired. My favorite thing is that people just like, you know, are proud of you for like functioning. <laughs> it's like, oh, is your cholesterol
1: fine? You're doing great.
3: Congrats. Yeah. Expectations, expectations are lower. You know. Yes. Well, I really, like that you yeah. get to wear big weird glasses, everyone
1: oh. thinks that's fine. Oh, the readers, the the the, the dork
3: glasses. <laughs> oh my god! I actually, uh, a, a gentleman I was dating would wear readers, and I was like, "You're so old. I want to wear those. I want readers. They're, They're sexy." Amazing. Well, his headlights on the sides. Oh, God, those, okay. They were pretty aggressive, but they were also, you know. Well, they could be
1: useful underneath the tent, you know. Yes, I could be wearing them right now. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, more fun facts about aging.
3: Oh, well, you can just sort of scream things on the street, and everyone's like, well, she's just old. Uh (laughs) I don't know if I recommend that one, but you can. I think it's mostly the fact that you get to tap out of all the things that you thought you had to do when you were younger because you were like, oh my God, FOMO, you know? Yeah. And like, my only FOMO is of like not getting enough sleep.
1: (laughs) Well, that's precious. Okay. If we're going to talk about medicine, let's talk about sleep because I'm just going to give a little shameless plug because I have a book coming out about sleep called Rested. But sleep is is medicine. Oh,
3: yes. And having, you know, being someone who suffered from like crippling insomnia for 10 years, things get bad when you don't sleep. Sleeping is
1: everything. And when we say bad, we mean really bad.
3: Oh, I was hallucinating.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you
3: get your brain doesn't function. And that's why I finally, it's so interesting. It's like the things that finally force us to seek help is when we are trying to you know, be better parents. It's like not for us. It's for our kids, which is ridiculous. But I was noticing like I just wasn't sleeping and it was impacting my parenting because I was I just I couldn't make my brain work. And that's when I finally was like this. This is ridiculous. This has to stop.
1: Yeah. So, yes, medicine. Sleep is medicine. Let's talk about another intervention or activity that you have in the book, the big activity book for anxious people. You've got a color in the soothing grandma page. Yeah. Talk sure about do. that. Well, we, we know we know that adult coloring is a thing and it does lower our blood pressure, our resting heart rate and mm-hmm. help us relieve anxiety.
3: It does. And I think that the big thing about it is that you're just focusing. Like I said earlier, like you're not just like everything's dinging around you and you're multitasking and you've got, you know, the TV on and you're emailing and whatever. You're just coloring. You're just doing the thing. Yeah. I have found it really interesting like how much of a this I wouldn't call this book a coloring book but there's plenty of coloring pages and I think it's just being it's like making you present and mine and who doesn't want to color in a grandma?
1: She's so cute. I know everybody could use a sweet grandma to color in. I,
3: she is I think she's actually holding the big activity book for grandmas. Oh, how cute. The, which I which I appreciate. My the illustrator and my co-author Aaron Williams is like a complete genius.
1: Well, I think you're both are pretty genius, because I, I really like the step by step instructions on how to build an underground bunker. Like I find that particularly useful on a bad day. Where do you know I- that that was the first page
3: I wrote in this book? <laughs> I, we were sitting there trying to like come up with like, okay, what are we going to do? And like, you know, writing out ideas. And I was like, I'm going to DIY how to make your own bunker. Yep. Sure am. Yep. And, and if you notice, the alternative is like just get under a blanket and listen to We Are the World, We Are the Children on repeat. <laughs>
1: well, what you're kind of doing now, you don't have the music queued up yet, but you're, you yes. know, you're, you're halfway there.
3: This is the, actually the funniest thing. I, I, this is up there and like the weirdest things I've done.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about um, the soothing facts about hand sanitizer, because I do know hand sanitizer is a brilliant invention with multiple uses.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, just the fact that it exists makes it possible for me to go on a subway in New York city. I don't know how, I don't know how anyone does that. So do you, <laughs> I, actually, I do, you, do like the wrist hook. Like I won't, I'm just super, you know, I'm one of those people and I like won't touch things with my hands, but sometimes you have to. Uh-huh. And that sanitizer is just a, it's just a beautiful thing and it actually does kill, but you have to use it correctly. And most people don't.
1: Well, give us the lesson, you anxious o c d people out there listen up. We're gonna get a well, lesson. You
3: have to use more than you think you do,
1: oh really? And
3: like, yeah, like really rub it in for a while <laughs> it's it's not it's not as straightforward as you might think.
1: I have used hand sanitizer for pimples and mosquito no. bites, really? Yes, my daughter, who is about to graduate from college, so she, well, we know she learned a lot there, but she learned this. That in an emergency, you can use a little hand sanitizer to deodorize one's armpits.
3: No. Yes. I should have consulted with you before writing this book. This is amazing information. Well, the sequel,
1: like we can like have like life hacks for products or something. Amazing. And we can, we can consult together on this because I could go on and on about the virtues of hand sanitizer, but I won't. (laughs) But remember that in a pinch under the arms, one, two, three, you're done.
3: Thank you. We're writing a book right now about digital detox. I feel that I will find a way to work that in.
1: Yeah, that's a a way to detox yourself. Just detox
3: yourself. Yeah, Yeah. just kill, kill the germs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, in the book, the Big Activity Book for Anxious People, there is a page on there about how to select your therapist. Talk a little bit about that because that's useful. Seriously, yeah, well, useful.
3: It is. It is. But um, I, of course, as with everything in the book, we have a little bit of a, you know, <laughs> you know, if you go to an art therapist, you can paint your feelings. And if you put a cloud there, that means you're super sad. <laughs> so, that, so if you like to paint your feelings, that would be great. You know, my actually my co-author at that page, she's much more knowledgeable about therapy than I am. I actually only just started seeing a therapist not that long ago. And well, you're in
1: California now.
3: I, I'm in California. I did have a meditation coach for a while, which is the most California thing I've ever heard of. True. We met over Skype and he walked me through meditations.
1: Nice. Was that, it helpful? It,
3: it was. It was amazing. But it was just, I felt, I, you know, I enjoyed going out and just being like, oh, my meditation coach said that uh, it's just a fun way to start a start a sentence. But you know, there's CBT and then there's Freudian analysis in which you'll obviously learn that everything is your parents fault. And, and that's, you know, that's, that can be helpful.
1: <laughs> if only way. if you can let it go. <laughs> it's, only, yeah, well. <laughs> if, it's only moderately interesting if you discover that and then you go, Oh, damn. <laughs> All right, it's
3: like, choose your adventure. Yes. Like, what do you want to find out about yourself?
1: Let's talk about some Zen mantras for the anxiously inclined.
3: Yes. Well, you know, everyone see, you know, what's not helpful are those little signs that say, like, breathe, right? Or like, just relax. Uh huh. Like, nobody wants to hear the words, just relax. It's not helpful. And so we were like, Oh, let's, let's come up with someone like, you know, everyone's other broke people are cool. <laughs> like, here's a list of people who don't have money, and they're amazing. And you know, if you would had a fire, you would like save your lasagna. And maybe your roommate. These are comforting things to think about. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think that we need to break out of the the cliches when it comes to our mantras.
1: And have fun. I mean, what what I really glean from all of this is when we poke fun at. A good fun, healthy fun at our own anxiety and, and our worry and our tireless rumination, we can begin to actually relax and realize, you know what, this is kind of funny and silly. And we can redirect that attention to something more productive.
3: That goes back to the vulnerability you were talking about. I yeah. mean, my my best friend and I, we have our like, how broke are we check in in the morning? And we <laughs> just call each other. I'm like, how broke are you today? And she's like, pretty broke. How broke are you? I'm like, eh. <laughs> I can stay a B. And it's fun. It's like it makes you feel like, you know, you're not alone. And it's I firmly believe that being able to laugh at your at yourself is the best medicine.
1: Agreed. And also being able to manage the monkey mind. I mean, we're making fun of ourselves in an anxious state, but anxiety really does damage our health. So when we are able to um manage what's going on, laugh at ourselves, take it down a notch, be in connection with other human beings, which I think mm-hmm. is something you do so beautifully at mm-hmm. Ramshackle Glam, you know, life just, you know, is a little bit more enjoyable, even though we might be going through something hard. Yeah, Absolutely. And that's all and there people, is,
3: right? Well, anxious people. We say it in the intro to the book. It's like anxious people are the some of the funniest, most creative people on the planet, and we know that because we're two of them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> great. Three. And three, four. My kids run anxious. I run anxious. You know, I think most of us run anxious. You know, there are very few people out there who are like Dalai Lama Zen. Very few. I know. I don't. And I don't. Honestly, I don't even trust those people. I'm like, something's up. Well, we know they're not having sex and th- that automatically like opts me out. Like, Not interested in attaining that status. Not in this lifetime. Nah. You, my dear, have been such a delight and this book, honestly, yeah. listeners, the big activity book for anxious people. Good fun, useful, and you can brighten your own day and someone else's with it. My guest today has been Jordan Reed. She is the founding editor of the lifestyle blog, Ram Shackle Glam. She is the co-author Along with her writing partner and illustrator, Aaron Williams, to learn more about the book and the work, go to ramshackleglam.com on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Those handles are also ramshackleglam. Jordan Reed, you come back and hang out with me anytime. Lisa, thank you. That was so fun. So You're fun. Delightful. Oh, and listen, hand sanitizer in the under the armpits, guys. Yes. All right. <laughs> Here comes the break. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests today, Dr. Abigail Gewirtz and Jordan Reed, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Stay
0: safe, stay healthy, and stay joyful. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, kbuuradiomalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the Public Radio Exchange.